Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus are you ready for some football we're ready for some football baby Welcome to the FTN DataCast, the fantasy football podcast where data drives the discussion. Here are your hosts, Adam Pfeiffer and Tyler Lochner. What's up, everybody, and welcome back. This is the FTN DataCast presented by FTN Network. Tyler Lochner here. I'm riding solo today. Don't worry, guys. Adam will be back with us next week. If you haven't read his game-by-game breakdown, he's going to be doing it every single week. Honestly, probably the best piece of content you could read every single week. You have to check it out. Adam works so hard on that piece, so you definitely got to check it out. But for now, we're going to dive right into the week one game, some recap with some stats. I was thinking we're going to do some snap information. That is one of the most critical pieces of data that you can read and study to figure out who the breakout players are going to be, which superstars are not being used the way you were expecting them to be used, so on and so forth. So let's just go through it. I'm just going to, I'm going to go through game by game. I'm going to give you some of the key stats or some of the key snap route uh, data information. And then a key takeaway from that game, we'll get into some more stats later on in the podcast. So let's start with the week one game. It was a blowout, but it was close to the first half. Bills, Rams. I think the key takeaway here, Gabe Davis, 98% of the snaps, 98% for Gabe Davis. Stephon Diggs was only at 64%. It was a little weird. Diggs kept checking himself out of the game. Not entirely sure what that was all about, but obviously did not impact him. I don't know if it was some kind of load management. Diggs isn't old, but he's not, you know, he's not 23 anymore. It doesn't seem like it's going to be an issue uh, for Diggs' fantasy production, though, this year. So not worried about it. At the running back position, Singletary played 59%, but a surprise here, Zach Moss was at 37%. And Zach Moss actually saw a lot of receiving work. He's definitely a waiver wire name to keep an eye on, but not sure he's going to be the guy all season long because uh, Cook, he was there. He fumbled the ball. He only played 5% of the snaps. He fumbled the ball, went straight to the doghouse. He's going to be, Cook is going to be a factor in this offense moving forward. Might not be immediate. And I do think as Cook emerges, uh, Zach Moss will be the one to lose touches. But at least for the interim, Zach Moss might be a little bit of a nice stopgap for your team. At the slot position, we saw a little bit of a mixture between Isaiah McKenzie and uh, Jamison Crowder. McKenzie had 44% of the snaps. Crowder was at 31%. So a little bit closer than it seemed. I really liked uh, after McKenzie scored his touchdown there. He's, he shouted, it's a boy. I had no idea what he was talking about. It turns out it was a gender reveal for his sister who was watching 
at home or at a bar. I'm not sure. The, the, the Bills posted it on social media. I thought that was a cool story. Over on the Rams side of the ball, no surprise, Cooper Cup, 100% of the snaps locked in, probably as the top wide receiver in fantasy again, although Justin Jefferson's going to give him a run for his money. Allen Robinson, 97% of the snaps, but only two targets, one of which was like a desperation heave as time expired. It was a really, really disappointing week one for Robinson, but the 97% snap share is encouraging, so I'm not willing to completely give up on him yet. Ben Skoranek was at 88%. So while Van Jefferson is not in the lineup, Skoranek seems like he's going to be the number three. Very little fantasy interest though. And honestly, right now, very little fantasy interest on this team outside of Cooper Cup and maybe Daryl Henderson, right? Like there was a surprise. Henderson had 82% of the snaps. Cam Akers was only at 18%. I cannot imagine that that's going to be the split between these two all season. But at least in week one, at least moving for the immediate future, there was some coach speak about Cam Akers needing more urgency, needing, it almost seems like an attitude thing, or maybe just that they're not happy with his play style. I'm not sure, but either way, not what we were expecting. Daryl Henderson seems to be the guy, like not even just a split backfield. It's like Henderson is the ba- like 82% snap share. That's up there with Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey. We'll get to them later. The primary key takeaways from this game, Gabe Davis, the breakout seems real. Zach Moss and Daryl Henderson, especially Daryl Henderson, because his might be a little bit more sticky. Those are certainly two names to target or circle on your waiver wire list this week. Moving on to the Saints-Falcons game, a bit of a surprise uh, game here. I think the Falcons were looking much better than we expected. And Cordero Patterson, 65% of the snaps. We'll get to this a little bit later. He was actually one of the leaders in touches and opportunities at the running back position. There were some concerns about Patterson being not used as much this year. He faded down the stretch last year, didn't play in the preseason. I think those questions were answered. Patterson was really elite. He looks like he might be an early favorite as one of the best draft picks again, but we'll see. It's it's too early to tell with him and he is up there in age. So I think a second half fade might not be unrealistic to expect from him. And then over on the Saints side, the most interesting stats, I think we're at the wide receiver position, right? You had Michael Thomas score two touchdowns, look really good. I thought Uh, one of his touchdowns was pretty sick, actually, like snapped the ball out of the air, very sticky hands uh, from Thomas, but he only played 61% of the snaps. It, It seemed like they were easing him back in. I would expect that number to rise, maybe not to a full workload next week, but by week three or four, I think we might see Thomas get uh, I don't know. I don't want to say he's going to get up to 90%, but I, I think he'll get to 80% at least. Uh, but he was at 61% week one, still produced. I think we have more good things to come from Michael Thomas. And then there was debate here like, oh, will it be Chris Olave or will it be Jarvis Landry? How about both of them? Landry, 72% of the snaps, over 100 yards, nine targets, breakout game from Landry. But Chris Olave actually was on the field more than Landry. Olave led at 74% snaps. So I think good things in store for all three of these Saints wide receivers. We'll see how much Jameis Winston keeps passing the ball. Uh, last year, he had a bunch of games right around 20 pass attempts. This week, he was at 34. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Alvin Kamara was at under 70% snaps. I don't think that's um, I don't think that's unusual for Kamara. So not concerned there. 
Moving on to the Browns and Panthers game, Christian McCaffrey was a little bit of a letdown here. Yeah, he still scored over 15 PPR points, but when you're playing McCaffrey, you're expecting, you know, minimum 20, you're hoping for 25. I think they eased him back in though. He played 81% of the snaps, which does not sound like an ease-in. I mean, it's not an ease-in. 81% is, is a huge snap share, but they eased him in terms of his opportunity and his touches. He only had three first half carries. In the second half, he got up to eight. Panthers clearly not worried about uh, using him and and putting him right in the thick of things. His He had a touchdown where he jumped over the pile right into the entire group of 20 other players. So you did like to see that. We'll get more production from CMC moving forward. So not concerned about that one at all. In terms of CMC's backup, it does seem like Deontay Foreman is the one to own. He played 13% of the snaps. Chuba Hubbard was only at 6%. So I don't think if, if CMC does end up going down or missing time, uh, I don't think it'll just become 100% Foreman, but I think we might see kind of two-thirds Foreman, one-third Hubbard, not the other way around moving forward. And uh, also on the Panthers side of the ball, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore both played 100% of the snaps. Robbie Anderson had that deep touchdown connection with Baker Mayfield. Maybe it's a bounce back season for him. Anderson is uh, certainly a candidate for comeback player of the year on the fantasy landscape. Off to a really good start there. On the Cleveland side of the ball, David Njoku played 89% of the snaps, but he only had one target. So not entirely sure what to make of that, but he's on the field a lot. Super talented player. I wouldn't give up on a potential breakout for him, but yeah, the, the one target is rough. And then at the running back position, both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb both produced. Uh, I think we can expect that both of them will be fantasy relevant every single week. Hunt actually was on the field more, 56% of the snaps to Chubb's 52%. I do wish we saw both of these players in featured roles at other teams, but it works. It works. They they get the job done in Cleveland, and I think we kind of can just accept it is what it is. My primary key takeaway here is maybe Robbie Anderson's a deep sleeper. I mean, he looked better in week one than he did at any point last year, so uh, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on him. Moving on to the 49ers and Bears game. This game was sloppy, right? It was absolutely pouring rain. I'm not sure how much of a, you know, of a takeaway I want to have from this game just because of the weather. But looking at the snapshot, I think we can get a sense of how this team wants to utilize its players. And keep in mind, George Kittle was out. So some of these 49ers snap shares might be altered a little bit because of that. Brandon Ayuk was on the field for basically every single snap, 99% of the snaps. Debo Samuel was on the field for 82% of the snaps. So, you know, right off the bat, Ayuk started last year. I can't remember. I can't remember. What, did he start inactive? He might have been inactive early on in the year. At, at, at a minimum, he didn't see any targets. I know that in week one. Um, Debo Samuel was used heavily as a runner yet again uh, and, and got more breaks than Ayuk. I think that kind of comes with the nature. When you're a, a rusher, it's hard to play 100% of the snaps. And then at the running back position, we know now that Elijah Mitchell will be out for at least two months. And it looks like Jeff Wilson's going to be the running back backup to pick up there. He played 59% of the snaps. We've seen Wilson be really explosive in the past, but I would maybe temper expectations because the previous 49ers offenses that we've seen have been led by Jimmy Garoppolo. Trey Lance actually led the team in rush attempts. Uh, Debo Samuel saw red zone carries, saw plenty of rush attempts. So Jeff Wilson, will he be the lead back? Yeah, it certainly seems so. Will he be a tail end fantasy RB1? I don't think so. Uh, I think you're looking at maybe tail end RB2. 
it's just a, it's a crowded backfield, sort of a backfield, right? You've got a quarterback, a running back and a wide receiver all playing in the backfield. So a bit of a unique situation, but Wilson is certainly worth a pickup. That's for sure. For the Bears, Darnell Mooney was the lead wide receiver, 90% of the snaps, not much action, not much passing volume in this game from the Bears. So not taking a lot away from it. Cole Komet, a goose egg, huge disappointment. A lot of people uh, had him penned as a potential breakout tight end. He was on the field for 83% of the snaps. So not totally giving up on him yet. Again, I think weather played a big role here, but a little disappointing to see him so uninvolved despite being on the field. And then Equinamia St. Brown played 76% of the snaps. He seems like the clear number two in Chicago. Uh, I know Valus Jones was inactive. We'll see how how much that sticks, but St. Brown, he had a nice touchdown. Nobody really jumped out in this game in terms of receivers, but the snap share indicates that St. Brown might be the number two. And then Khalil Herbert, a lot of people are talking about him after he looked really good. He looked much more explosive than David Montgomery, but he did only play 29% of the snaps, which is not a lot. Uh, I think he might, I hope that the coaches think he looked impressive enough to give him more run. But uh, I think at the best we can hope for is maybe a, a split backfield between Herbert and Montgomery. I would be surprised though if Montgomery is a complete workhorse all year. 30% snap share for Herbert is not a, is not huge, but it's not insignificant. And Herbert just looked really good. We might we might see a little bit of like a, a Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott situation brewing on the Bears. Moving on to Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, one of the strangest games of the week. On the Pittsburgh side of the field, there was a lot of questions. Okay, Chase Claypool or George Pickens? How does Pickens' arrival impact Claypool? It didn't. Pickens and Claypool, there was a role for both of them here this week. Claypool was at 92% snap share, which was really high. That one jumped out at me a bit. They got Claypool involved pretty heavily on the ground. He had six rush attempts, uh, but he was not targeted deep down the field. All of his targets were very shallow, very short. George Pickens, meanwhile, 71% snap share. It's very respectful for his first ever game. I don't necessarily think we're going to see this much volume though. So, you know, from, from Pittsburgh moving forward, Mitch Trubisky threw the ball 38 times. I know Pittsburgh won, but they did not win because Mitch Trubisky threw the ball 38 times. They won because their defense forced an enormous amount of turnovers. Trubisky throwing the ball 38 times, might be part of the reason why Pickens saw 71% snap share. Uh, it does seem like if they're in two wide sets, it'll be Claypool and Deontay Johnson. So maybe cool it on the Pickens breakout, but certainly an encouraging first game. Over on the Bengals side, Chase Claypool, or sorry, excuse me, Jamar Chase, 100% target share, just like Cooper Cup. No surprise there. At the tight end position, Hayden Hurst saw 75% snaps. Do think that's a little bit interesting. CJ Uzuma is no longer there. Hayden Hurst slides right into that role as the primary uh, as the primary tight end and pass catching tight end. He had a really nice catch. Um, if you haven't seen it, he had a nice toe tap catch down the sideline. Pretty good from the big fellow. All right, moving on to Philadelphia and Detroit. Dallas Goddard, I think, locked in as like a top seven fantasy tight end, maybe top eight, but I'm I'm putting him I'm putting him there at seventh. Ninety two percent target or snap share. For Goddard, turning into an every-down player there in Philadelphia, the backfield's really interesting. Miles Sanders finally scored. Miles Sanders had three rushes from inside the five, so that's huge. Uh, uh, Jalen Hurts also had three rushes from inside the five, four total red zone attempts. But what was, I think, really interesting was Kenneth Gainwell. 
30% snap share for Gainwell. Uh, that's not insignificant. Sanders was at 52%. So I think we are going to see more Gainwell than we were expecting. But this does seem like it's going to be a pretty run-heavy team. Yet again, not a surprise. That also doesn't mean AJ Brown's not going to get his. AJ Brown popped off. AJ Brown is AJ Brown. He's going to be fine. Start him every week, even in a run-heavy offense. We saw it in, in Tennessee. Brown does not need that much work to get the job done, but he actually got a significant amount of work. We'll, we'll get to that more later. Over on the Detroit side of the ball, Amon Ross St. Brown, he just seems bulletproof, right? There was, oh, they have DJ Chark now. Josh Reynolds is still there. They they drafted Jamison Williams in the first round. Will Amon Ross, uh, TJ Hawkinson's healthy again. DeAndre Swift is back. Jamal Williams is healthy. Like, a lot of the talk about Amon Ra down the stretch last year was that he only performed because Detroit had a bunch of injuries and they had no other option but to play Amon Ross St. Brown. Well, in week one, I'm already willing to call it. Amon Ross St. Brown is legit, very legit, super legit, whatever word you want to use. Apparently, I like the word legit. 88% snap share, scored a touchdown, clearly the lead dog, already looking like one of the one of the better draft picks of the year. DJ Chark was at 81%. Josh Reynolds was at 80%. So they had three wide receivers on the field on almost every play, all three of them over 80%. Jamison Williams, though, it will be lurking. And I think we can expect a return from him maybe after their bye. So that would be week seven. Somewhere between week seven and 10, I think Jamison Williams comes back onto the field. So that's still two months away. So we have a, a while to worry about this, but which one of those players will come off? Will will Jamison Williams just kind of have like a red shirt freshman year? Not totally sure, but it does look like Amon Ra is the first option locked into that role. DJ Chark, I think, is the second, although Josh Reynolds was on the field just as much. So interesting situation to monitor in Detroit. And then obviously their running backs uh, will get more to the, the workload when we talk about workload a little bit later. But the offense is flowing through those running backs right now on it, Detroit. We've been saying it all offseason. They have a surprisingly good fantasy team. Lots of options there. All right, moving on to Indianapolis and Houston. Michael Pittman, fantasy wide receiver one, right? Just locked in. 98% snap, uh, target share. Scored over 30 points on DraftKings this week. Uh, there's not really much more to say. Predictably, Matt Ryan's favorite target. Predictably on the field all the time. Michael Pittman, he's going to have a breakout year. Paris Campbell... Was the wide receiver too. He played 77% of the snaps. Still not a huge amount of interest from me on, on Campbell. Um, it just seems like this offense is very condensed around Jonathan Taylor and then Michael Pittman. Paris Campbell had three catches for 37 yards. So it's, you know, it's whatever. He'll probably break a couple long touchdowns throughout the year, but I don't think it's going to be anything really significant there. Uh, the surprise here was Kylan Granson. I think he had seven targets at the tight end position on 55% of the snaps. That was the highest snap share and the most targets. Mo Ali Cox had 54% of the targets or 54% of the snaps, only two of the targets. I think we might, I mean, Granson only had three catches for 22 yards on those seven targets. So it's not like he's a deep threat. Mo Ali Cox actually had more yards despite seeing five fewer targets. So this this tight end group might just be a mess from a fantasy perspective. Over on the Houston side of the ball, Nico Collins was at sixty seven percent of the target, or sixty seven percent of the snaps. He only had two catches for twenty six yards, but clearly the wide receiver two behind Brandon Cooks. In fact, Collins was the only other wide receiver 
uh, to be on the field over 50% of the time for the Texans. And then the real interesting one here uh, for the Texans backfield was Rex Burkhead and, and Damian Pierce. It, it looks like a running back by committee, but not only that, it looks like Rex Burkhead might be the guy. Burkhead had 19 touches, 14 carries. Pierce only had 11 carries. Both were really inefficient. Burkhead averaged 2.9 yards per carry. Pierce was at 3.0. So not an encouraging game for the Pierce stance. Uh, Burkhead just simply won't go away. And then at the tight end position, Brevin Jordan was at 60% of the snaps, led the tight end group. I know there was some talk about, oh, Brevin Jordan might be a breakout. He only had one catch for five yards though. OJ Howard, two catches, 38 yards, two touchdowns. Maybe Howard carves out a bigger role for himself in this offense than we were expecting. Maybe it'll just be a two touchdown fluke. Key takeaway here, not necessarily on the snaps side of things, but Jonathan Taylor, 38 opportunities. That's carries plus targets. And that comes after the coaches saying, oh, we don't really want him to touch the ball 30 times a game. Well, they gave him almost 40. So yeah. You can go ahead and forget all of that. That was coach speak. Jonathan Taylor is going to be the engine for the Colts once again. Moving on to the Patriots and Dolphins game. Some interesting stuff here. Devontae Parker playing against his former team played 100% of the snaps. Uh, I know the Patriots were trailing the entire game. Basically wire to wire. Parker was interfered with pretty significantly right uh, on on New England's opening drive might have been their second drive of the game game was still tied Mac Jones threw uh kind of like a deep fade to Parker in the in the end zone it ended up being intercepted but it was very clearly pass interference it, it was interesting to see encouraging use from Parker discouraging production one catch for nine yards despite being on the field for 100% of the snaps I think we see that number, his actual production rise. Jacoby Myers, predictably the most reliable Patriots player, four catches for 55 yards on 88% of the snaps. And then at the tight end position, we actually saw a lot more John U. Smith than I think people were expecting. He played 68% of the snaps. Uh, it was That was less than Hunter Henry. Henry was at 77% of the snaps, but Smith actually had better production. Smith caught three balls. Hunter Henry had two. So we might see more two tight end sets from the Pats this year. It certainly seems like we're going to see more John U. Smith after he spent much of 2021 in the doghouse. Over on the Dolphins side of the ball, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill were both at 67% target share, but Tyreek Hill's the clear wide receiver one. He had 12 targets. Waddle only had five. Both players produced. Waddle had a, a nice, uh, he showed his speed on a nice slant that he turned into a touchdown. Tyreek Hill had twice as many catches, 30 more yards, didn't score twice as many, over twice as many targets. So Hill looks like the wide receiver one, but, it, but you know, both players are talented enough that uh, they're every week starters. At the running back position, Chase Edmonds was at 63% of the snaps, saw 12 carries where he mustered, only had five. Looks like Edmonds is going to be the guy, but a little bit of a backfield by committee. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So 
I don't know. I'm not super excited about it. I, I wanted to see maybe Edmonds be featured a little bit more, but maybe it's just the fact that neither player was very productive. Edmonds, despite having 12 carries, only had 25 yards. Um, he did add four catches for 40 yards, which buoys him. He's always been buoyed by that passing production, but on the ground, I think we'll see more efficiency from Edmonds in the future, but not the most exciting week one. All right. Uh, next up is the Ravens and Jets game. Elijah Moore, the wide receiver one, 89% of the snaps. Corey Davis was the wide receiver two with 68% of the snaps. And then perhaps the most interesting snap share breakdown here is the Jets backfield. Michael Carter, the second year pro at 60% snaps. Brees Hall, the early second round pick from the jet from the from the draft this year was at 45%. So is this going to be a case where they they ease Brees Hall into a larger role? Michael Carter had 10 carries, Brees Hall had 6. Carter looked really good. He had he he, he averaged over 6 yards per carry um on those touches and then Michael Carter also added 7 receptions for 40 yards. Uh Brees Hall had 6 receptions for 38 yards. So Checking down to these backs is going to be profitable in PPR leagues. It, I could see a scenario where both guys are viable. I really could. So Michael Carter is another name to circle on that waiver wire list. I wouldn't go crazy on him because I do think Brees Hall's role improves as the season progresses, but certainly seems like it's going to be a backfield by committee to start. For the Ravens, Rashad Bateman had the long touchdown, but he only played 66% of the snaps and only had two catches. Not the most exciting game from him for the for the supposed wide receiver one in Baltimore. Love the deep touchdown. Seemed like blown coverage. Um, you know, I, I just I wish we saw more more playing time, more targets. So I'm holding off on the Bateman hype despite the nice touchdown. And then Devin Duvernay, he's a player that you're going to have to maybe get right this year. He only played 52 percent of the snaps, but he had two touchdowns. He might be a waiver wire mirage, though. I'm a little nervous about him being a mirage. I think that Rashad Bateman plays a bigger role moving forward. Mark Andrews had a you know a very average Mark Andrews game, five catches for 52 yards. I think he becomes a bigger part of the offense. But Duvernay, you know, very it seems very possible, very likely to set up the next player we're going to talk about. It seems very likely that Duvernay will be the wide receiver too. And speaking of likely. Isaiah Likely, the rookie tight end slash kind of wide receiver, played 45% of the snaps, but did not record any stats. So I think Likely was more of like a best ball pick. So we'll see how that that one plays out moving forward. Key takeaway here, Michael Carter, Devin DuVernay, the unlikely big names from this game, both of which I think should be on your waiver wire list. Next up, the Jacksonville Jaguars and Washington Commanders. Who in the world thought that Carson Wentz was going to throw four touchdowns and over 300 yards in his first game with the Commanders? I certainly did not. Wentz has had good games in the past. He's actually had an entire good season. It was an MVP candidate not too long ago. Maybe we see Wentz kind of make a little bit of a comeback. Uh, they've Washington has talented receivers. They have a good they have a good backfield. They have a good defense. Maybe it's a good situation for him to be in. So. Wentz is a name if you're streaming quarterbacks or if you really need one. I can't believe I'm about to say it, but you might want to think of picking up Wentz off the waiver wire. At the uh, flipping over to Jacksonville side of the ball, I think we saw a really interesting split in the backfield. Travis Etienne 
51% of the snaps, James Robinson, 49% of the snaps, but it was Robinson who saw most of the work. Despite a near even snap split, Robinson had 11 carries and scored a touchdown. ETN only had four carries, but ETN did gain 47 yards on those four carries. ETN also had a, you know, a walk-in touchdown on a wheel route, I think on the first drive of the game, but Trevor Lawrence just overthrew him. And then later on in the game, James Robinson caught a, a little one yard or three yard dump off for a touchdown. So Robinson scored twice. ETN put up basically a goose egg on a 50-50 uh, split there. I think we're going to see this moving all season. I think we're going to see both players. I think we will see ETN more involved in the passing game. I do think that that little James Robinson three-yard dump-off touchdown might not be something that happens too often, but I do think that Robinson leading in rushing attempts and maybe getting the goal line work is something that we will see. So a little bit of a bummer for Travis ETN fans. He was a pretty early draft pick this year. Robinson looking like quite the steal, but I'm not giving up on ETN yet. I, I think that, like I said, he averaged over, he averaged almost 12 yards per carry. He would have had a very easy receiving touchdown if Lawrence threw a better ball. So not the greatest start for ETN, but I'm not giving up. And then on the Robinson front, uh, definitely encouraging to see him come back from his injury so strong. All right, we have a few more games. We'll go through these pretty quick, I think. The Chiefs game, their wide receiver group, the breakdown with Juju Smith-Schuster looked like the wide receiver one was targeted the most often, especially early. Again, this is obviously outside of Travis Kelsey. Juju played 66% of the snaps. Marquez Valdez-Scantling played 73% of the snaps. And then McCole Hardman was at 56% of the snaps. There was a lot of question about how this offense would look with Tyreek Hill no longer there. Would Hardman be a breakout player? It does not look like Hardman's role is going to change. It just looks like Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster will kind of split the work that normally would have gone to Tyreek Hill. And then we also might see some of the backs get more involved. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had three receptions. Jarek McKinnon had three receptions. And then Sky Moore had one catch for 30 yards in his first game as a rookie. Did not play much, but made a nice explosive play there. Uh, uh, For the Cardinals, the surprising name was Greg Dortch. Finished the game with seven catches for 63 yards. He played 91% of the snaps, basically an every down player. He was on the field basically just as much as Marquise Brown. Brown was at 95% of the snaps. And then Zach Ertz was only there 60% of the snaps. He saved his day with a touchdown, but he had only two catches for 14 yards. So a little bit nervous about that. And then in the backfield, Eno Benjamin, three catches for 33 yards, four rush attempts. James Conner salvaged his day with a touchdown, 10 rush attempts, but Eno Eno Benjamin looking like he's going to play a bigger role than uh, maybe anticipated. Don't know how much to totally read into the game, though, because it was a blowout by halftime. Uh, Certainly by the fourth quarter, this game was well out of hand. So uh, we'll see how the Cardinals have a a distribution of their backfield in games where they're leading or where maybe it's a little bit closer. For the Raiders and Chargers, the the, no surprise, Devontae Adams just absolutely dominated across the board, played 95% of the snaps. Matt Collins played 88% of the snaps, which was surprising. He only had one catch for 16 yards. Hunter Renfro was at 83%, so a lot of three wide sets. A lot of almost four wide if you consider Darren Waller a wide receiver. Obviously, he's a tight end. He played 84% of the snaps. So a very predictable uh, personnel group for the Raiders. We're going to see Adams, Waller, Renfro on the field basically every play. Matt Collins, 88%. I'm not sure how long that 
that lasts. Maybe it does. Maybe he's just kind of like their new, um, maybe he's like their new Brandon Edwards who's just out there running routes. I don't think Hollins is a threat uh, or somebody you need to know for fantasy despite being on the field so often. At the running back position, Josh Jacobs only played 60% of the snaps and Brandon Bolden was at 28% plus uh, the receiving down work. So interesting backfield brewing for the Raiders. For the Chargers, we saw Keenan Allen not finish the game with an injury. Josh Palmer, the second year pro, a lot of play, a lot of people expected him to break out. Really disappointing final stat line, only three catches for five yards. But he did play 75% of the snaps. Gerald Everett played 66% of the snaps, caught three balls for 54 yards and a touchdown. And then DeAndre Carter, the newcomer, was kind of like the star after Keenan Allen went out. He only saw seven, 37% of the snaps. You know, that was largely due to the fact that Allen left the game, but he made the most of it. He caught three balls for 64 yards and a touchdown, looked very explosive, looked very fast. And then on the backfield, Austin Eckler had a good game. He had 18 touches, exactly what you want to see. Only played 49% of the snaps. As long as those touches are there, I'm not really concerned about Eckler's um, snap share. It's like basically when he's on the field, he's getting the ball. He's never been a player that sees 80% of the snaps. So I would not be concerned about that 49% snap share. Uh, but behind him, though, we saw Sony Michelle and Alexander Horvath combine for 46%. They both each had just about 23, 24% snap share. So interesting there. Horvath, uh, not a name you need to know. Josh Kelly had four carries, but not a lot of snaps. Sony Michelle had seven carries, only 12 yards. Very unproductive. Very unproductive day on the on the ground. Austin Eckler, I think, is really the only name worth worrying about, but Sony Michelle does seem to be the top backup. All right, for the Packers game, this one's really interesting. So their wide receiver group was a complete question mark leading into the season. And then Alan Lazard, who was the presumed wide receiver one, did not play in week one. Aaron Rodgers came out with a perfect pass to Christian Watson, the second round pick, dropped it, would have been a touchdown. And then after that, it was just very distributed, right? You had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different Packers players catch at least two balls. 10 different Packers players catch at least one ball. That is serious distribution of the rock. Sammy Watkins led the group with 67% snap share. He only caught three balls for 18 yards. Christian Watson, 66%. Randall Cobb, 61%. Romeo Dubs, 57%. Like this just seems like it's going to be a rotation. And then when Alan Lazard comes back, who's going to be the odd man out? Not entirely sure. Looks like Romeo Dubs might be. Uh... This is still a wild wild card. I think one of these players could break out. Not sure which one. Wish I had better advice. It might be Christian Watson though. Uh, if he caught that touchdown, his his stat his final stat line would have looked much better. He would have been over 100 yards, would have had the touchdown. So maybe Watson's the one to be encouraged by with that deep with that deep ball. At the running back position, AJ Dillon was the superstar. 10 carries, five receptions, more than Aaron Jones in both of those departments. Jones was on the field more though. Jones had 61% snap share, AJ Dillon 51%. So I think we see, as expected, a, a, a pretty even split here, but not an exciting game for Aaron's jo- Aaron Jones owners, right? They wanted to see Jones be the one that caught five balls for 46 yards. Instead, that was Dillon. Jones only caught three for 27. So Dillon looking like a great, great uh, draft value. 
On the Viking side, the only thing I think is really worth pointing out is Adam Thielen played 95% of the snaps. So despite his advanced age, they still want him out there basically every snap. And then uh, KJ Osborne, clearly the wide receiver three, 68% of the snaps. You love to see it. I'm a big KJ Osborne fan, so that's why I love to see it. So I think we see some big games from him moving forward. Key takeaway here is Packers wide receiver group is still very unsettled. There's opportunity there from a fantasy perspective, if you can predict the right player, but with, you know, five players in the wheelhouse, all of them seeming equally likely to break out, maybe not Randall Cobb, um, your odds of picking the right one are not super high. I think I would go with Christian Watson at this point. Um, I I was on the Sammy Watkins train, but I think I'll get on the Christian Watson train here. Giants, Titans, Saquon Barkley, he's back. That's the, that's really the only thing you need to know here. 83% of the snaps at wide receiver, Kenny Galladay, 77% led the team, Sterling Shepard, 72%. And then the biggest head scratcher, I think of the entire week one, Kadarius Tony, only seven snaps. Was it injury? I don't think so. Cause he had a couple end arounds, um, technically had two rush attempts. He looked super explosive, turned what was going to be like an eight yard loss into a three yard gain, turned what any other wide receiver would have had a three yard loss, turn it into a first down 12 yard gain. Like the dude is just unreal with the football in his hands. I don't know if he's in the doghouse. I don't know if it's got to be the doghouse, right? Like why would you play the corpse of Kenny Galladay and the most average wide receiver in the league, Sterling Shepard over Kadarius? I just don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, I'm... I'm hopeful that we see more Tony because I think if we do, the Giants offense will be better. I think Tony will be fantasy relevant. But yeah, seven snaps week one. Didn't even touch the ball until the fourth quarter. That was pretty brutal to see. For the Titans, Traylon Burks only played 37% of the snaps. Kyle Phillips was the surprise player. 48% of the snaps. We'll get to him a little bit later. Uh, I'm going to run through some snaps and target data to wrap up the podcast here soon. Robert Woods, not a productive day, but he was on the field most among the wide receivers, 71%. Traylon Burks at only 37%. That one surprises me. His targets were healthy on such a a low snap share. Uh, I I think we we probably see that increase. I can't imagine Burks, their first round pick is going to be at that 30 to 40% snap share for too long. Moving on to the Bucks and Dallas, as expected, Leonard Fournette, the every down, full-on workhorse, 76%. Cameron Brait, Kyle Rudolph was inactive. Cameron Brait played 68% of the snaps, but rookie Kate Otten was on the field for 48% of the snaps. Did not make an impact from a fantasy perspective, but maybe maybe circle Otten's name for Dynasty. They seem to really like him already. Julio Jones played 52% of the snaps uh, with Chris Godwin out for a couple weeks. I think Julio... Pretty obviously becomes the number two. Russell Gage played 42% of the snaps, but Julio seemed much more involved in the offense. On the Dallas side of the ball, Nick Brown played 88% of the snaps behind CeeDee Lamb, who was on the field for basically every snap, 98%. And then in the backfield, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, Elliott 58%, Pollard 55%. We saw plenty of times where both were on the field at the same time. As expected, full-blown running back by committee now. We did not see... Uh, goal line efforts though from Dallas and with Dak Prescott now out might be hard to get a a good read on what this Dallas offense will look like in November, December. Hopefully Dak can come back pretty soon. All right, that wraps it up for the snap and kind of key insights from each game. I'll finish up the podcast here 
with some quick hits on leaders and opportunity and points per snap and, and targets per snap. So targets per snap, Devontae Adams, 31%. Tyreek Hill, Kyle Phillips, Zach Moss, and Brees Hall round out your top five. So Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill leading in targets per snap. Uh, so the 31% means 31% of Devontae Adams snaps. He was uh, throwing a target. 30% for Tyreek Hill. Kyle Phillips at 29% is the surprising name from Tennessee. Zach Moss at 27%, surprising name from Buffalo. And then Brees Hall, despite playing less than Michael Carter, was at 26%. So I think that's very encouraging for Brees Hall. Uh, one out of every four snaps that he was on the field for, he received a target. I think once he eventually does take over that backfield, this is where he will derive most of his fantasy values through the air. Another surprising name a little bit further down the list, but still in the top 10 is Robert Tunyon, 23% targets per snap. I think I probably need to rename this. It's not really 23% targets per snap. It's 23% of his snaps ended in a target for Robert Tunyon. So big name there. I think he's a waiver wire pickup, especially if you were planning on streaming tight ends or waited really long at the tight end position. <clears throat> and then Traylon Burks, we mentioned he only had a 37% target share or excuse me, 37% snap share. He was though among the leaders in targets per snap at 21% of his snaps resulted in a target. So encouraging number for the rookie there. Points per snap leaders, Clyde Edwards Hilaire led the entire league with 0.83 fantasy points per snap. He was basically in a split backfield with Jarek McKinnon. Um, but if Clyde is used more through the air, which might be the case with Tyree Kill now gone, this could be a breakout year for him. Devin Duvernay, Jamal Williams, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, both at a very nice 0.69 points per snap. We also saw AJ Dillon, Saquon Barkley, Michael Thomas, James Robinson, Travis Kelsey, DeAndre Swift, all among the leaders in fantasy points per snap. And then the surprise name I think from the group is the Chargers wide receiver, DeAndre Carter. If Keenan Allen misses extended time, Carter's a name you might want to uh, put a waiver claim in for. All right, and then real quick, I'll finish up with some leaders in opportunity at the running back position, Jonathan Taylor, 38, Joe Mixon, 36, and then a big gap down to Cordero Patterson down at 27. Very encouraging to see Patterson get 27. Antonio Gibson had 22. Uh, we'll see if that sticks when Brian Robinson returns from his injury. And then probably the biggest surprise <clears throat> was Rex Burkhead with 22 opportunities as well. At the wide receiver position, Devontae Adams, 17. Debo Samuel, 16. This is opportunity, so this is targets plus rush attempts. Obviously, the targets are more valuable, but Debo Samuel appears he's going to be very heavily involved again all year. Curtis Samuel had 15 for the Commanders. We'll see if that sticks. Amonra St. Brown, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson all had 12. Uh, Michael Pittman, A.J. Brown, Tyree Kill all had 13. And then at the tight end position, two names at the top of the list surprised me. Tyler Higby, 11. Pat Freermuth, 10. Travis Kelsey, Dalton Schultz, names you would expect at nine. And then Hayden Hurst had eight targets. So uh, perhaps a name to circle there as well. I'll finish up real quick with waiver targets. Uh, I, I think I've kind of gone through them as I went through the podcast, but I'll give a little succinct recap here. I think 
Carson Wentz is probably the top quarterback waiver option. Rex Burkhead, Zach Moss, Daryl Henderson, Jordan Mason from the 49ers, Jeff Wilson from the 49ers should all be on your waiver list as well. And then at the wide receiver position, you can be taking a look at Curtis Samuel, Devin DuVernay, DeAndre Carter, Greg Dorch, Kyle Phillips, maybe even Zay Jones, who saw more work than we were expecting. And then at the tight end position, Robert Tunyon is the clear number one waiver pickup at tight end. Anyway, that will do it for this episode of the FTN Datacast. Be sure to check out everything we have at FTN Fantasy, FTN Daily, FTN Bets. You can even make a free account at FTN Data to check out the data that we have there. There's so much great content for fantasy, betting, DFS, you name it. Check out my Fantasy Wins Added, my Trade Value Chart, my Fantasy Gradebook all coming this week. Later this week, Adam will release his full game-by-game breakdown. There is so much content. I honestly can't go through it all. Um, that's just what Adam and I are providing, bringing to the table. There's so much more though. So thanks for listening. Be sure to check out FTN. You can use code PEACHES for 20% off an FTN subscription. It's not too late to get in there, see some waiver claims. We do waivers, we do rankings every week. So lots to do. Week one is in the books. Good luck, everybody. Thanks for listening to the FTN Datacast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And follow the hosts on Twitter at AFIFER24 and at LochnerNFL. NFL.